hello and welcome to this episode of the lives and styles of old Hollywood. Today I will talk about Vivian Lee, the one who will forever be known as Scarlett O'Hara, but she's also Vivian Lady Olivier and the 16th greatest female movie star of classic Hollywood cinema with a very interesting life story. So let's dive right in. Vivian Mary Hartley was born on November 5th in 1913 in Darjeeling, British India. Her ancestry is actually quite interesting. Whilst her father Ernest was born in Scotland, her mother Gertrude had been born in Darjeeling as well and was probably of Irish, Parsi Indian and Armenian ancestry. Gertrude, Vivian's mother, led an amateur theatre group and Vivian did have her first stage appearance here when she was only three years old, reciting Little Bo Peep. From an early age on, Gertrude tried to instill a love of literature in Vivian and introduced her to the works of Lewis Carroll, Rudyard Kipling, Hans Christian Andersen, as well as Greek mythology and Indian folklore. At the age of six, Vivian was sent to the Convent of the Sacred Heart in Roehampton in southwest London. And fun fact, her best friend at this school was Maureen O'Sullivan, who played Jane opposite Johnny Weissmuller in the Tarzan movies. It was to Maureen that young Vivian confided that she wanted to become a great actress. When she was a young teen, her parents took her out of school and traveled across Europe with her for a couple of years. Vivian would attend various schools during that time. Her stays in Dinard, Biarritz and Paris, as well as her stay in San Remo on the Italian Riviera, made her fluent in both French and Italian. When she was 17 years old, Vivian returned with her parents to London in 1931, and she would see her friend Maureen perform in the play A Connecticut Yankee in London's West End. And it was then that she told her parents about her desire to become an actress and her father enrolled her at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. Her studies did not last long, though. She met her first husband, Herbert Lee Holman, during her first year and ended her studies when they got married in 1932. Although Vivian had ended her studies, friends suggested she take on a minor role in a movie as an uncredited extra, which Vivian did in the movie Things Are Looking Up in 1935 when she was aged 22. She also enlisted the help of agent John Glidden, who was the one suggesting a name change as he deemed Vivian Holman not suitable as an actress's name. And that's when her stage name Vivian Lee was created. It was also Glidden who recommended her to director Alexander Corder, but Corder rejected Vivian because of a lack of potential. Nevertheless, Vivian Lee was cast in the play The Mask of Virtue that very year. She received raving reviews, was interviewed and newspaper articles were written about her. Amongst other things, she was hailed as the essence of English girlhood and one of her characteristics was written about as early as that year as an interviewer noted that a lightning change came over her face, indicating her capability of rapid changing moods. The play was also the reason for Vivian changing the spelling of her name from Vivian with an A to Vivian with an E, as director Sidney Carroll spelled it that way in the playbill. The role of Ophelia opposite Laurence Olivier in a stage production in Denmark followed as well as a part in a 1938 movie A Yank at Oxford with co-stars Robert Taylor, Lionel Barrymore and Marina Sullivan. 
The latter was the first of Vivian Lee's films to be recognized by American audiences and got her known on the other side of the Atlantic. It was as early as 1937, when Vivian had only been active in the movies for about two years and when she conducted an affair with Laurence Olivier during the filming of Fire Over England, that she read the novel Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell and Vivian told her American agent to recommend her to David O. Selznick, who apparently was planning a film version of the book. She was so confident in being right for the role that she even declared to journalists that she cast herself as Scarlett O'Hara and that she will play the Southern Belle, whilst Olivier, who was definitely a contender for the role of Red Butler, would not be chosen. Coincidentally, Vivian Lee's American theatrical agent was none other than Myron Selznick, the brother of David O. Selznick. And that one was the producer of Gone with the Wind. So, in 1938, Vivian Lee asked Myron Selznick to be considered for the role of Scarlet when the wild search for the perfect actress was underway. And indeed, David O. Selznick did screen her performances in Fire Over England and in A Yank at Oxford. His verdict, though, Lee was excellent, but in no way a Scarlet, because she was way too British. Coincidence was on Vivian's side again. Her partner, Laurence Olivier, was over in Los Angeles and Lee traveled to be with him. She met with her agent, Myron Selznick. And he knew right away that she was the actress his brother was searching for. Apparently, Myron took Vivian with him to the filming set and presented her to his brother David with the words, Hey genius, meet your Scarlet O'Hara. A screen test was organized and both producer Selznick and director George Cooker praised her performance. Selznick apparently wrote to his wife, She is the Scarlet Dark Horse and looks damn good. And Cooker would laud her incredible wildness. Soon after, Vivian Lee became officially Scarlet O'Hara. The movie, Gone with the Wind, would catapult her to instant stardom and make her a film star known all over the world. When Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier got married in 1940, they tried to work and collaborate on as many projects as possible. When it came to the movies, their initiatives were initially not very successful. When Olivier was cast as the lead in Hitchcock's Rebecca, Lee wanted to be the co-star. But Selznick, Hitchcock and even Lee's mentor George Cooker agreed that she did not seem right as to sincerity or age or innocence. Neither was Lee cast in Pride and Prejudice opposite Olivier in 1940's Waterloo Bridge starred Lee but Robert Taylor instead of Laurence Olivier. As the movies did not prove very successful in their attempt to work together, the Oliviers turned back to theatre and produced Romeo and Juliet for Broadway with their own savings. Unfortunately, though, the play did not become a success. They were met with a lot of hostility by the New York press. First, because of the adulterous nature of the relationship's beginnings, which was heavily publicized and critiqued. And second, because they were staying in the US and not returning to the UK to help with the war effort. In addition to this, their performances were smashed and they lost almost all their money in this project. Fortunately, the next movie they starred in was a success. It was That Hamilton Woman. Winston Churchill himself was a fan of the movie and Lee and Olivier became his favorites. They would attend dinners and occasions at his request as long as he lived. 
Eventually, Lee and Olivier returned to Britain and would join the war effort. Lawrence and the army, Vivian touring North Africa to entertain the troops. It was there that Vivian fell ill with tuberculosis in the left lung and had to spend several weeks in a hospital. When she had recovered enough, she resumed work as an actress. Successful in the stage production of The Skin of Our Teeth in London, but rather unsuccessful in the movies Caesar and Cleopatra as well as Anna Karenina. The most straining work engagement of their marriage was their six-month tour of Australia and New Zealand in 1948. At that time, Laurence Olivier was on the board of directors for the Old Vic Theatre and they went overseas to try and raise funds for it. The two would perform The School for Scandal, The Skin of Our Teeth and Richard III and the show tour was a full success. But the tour was emotionally and physically demanding on both Olivier and Lee. Olivier would say to a journalist during the end of the tour, you may not know it, but you are talking to a couple of walking corpses. The tour was especially training for Vivian Lee, who would suffer from insomnia and allow her understudy to take over. Lawrence Olivier would later remark that he lost Vivian in Australia. Back in Europe, the two staged the three plays they performed in Australia and Antigone on top of it. What came next? was another of Vivian Lee's most successful and iconic roles, the one and only Blanche Dubois in Tennessee Williams' A Streetcar Named Desire. First, Vivian Lee performed it in 326 shows under the direction of husband Laurence Olivier in London's West End, before she was cast for Elia Kazan's movie version opposite Marlon Brando. In the beginning, Elia Kazan did not think much of Vivian Lee and didn't like the way Olivia and her had shaped the character. But at the end of the filming... He adored and appreciated Vivian for the greatest determination to excel of any actress he'd ever known. She'd have crawled over broken class if she thought it would help her performance, is what he said about her. Lee won her second Oscar for the role, a BAFTA Award for Best British Actress, as well as a New York Film's Critics Circle Award for Best Actress. It was as early as 1938 that it became first apparent that Vivian Lee had some mental troubles. It was during the production of Hamlet in Denmark, opposite Laurence Olivier, that she had one of her famous sudden mood changes right before she was set to go on stage. Without any provocation or apparent trigger, Lee began screaming at Olivier and then all of a sudden would go silent and stare into space. Her performance that day was without fault and she would not be able to recollect this incident the day after. It was in 1945, during the filming of Lee's unsuccessful movie Cleopatra, when she discovered that she was pregnant, but then she had a miscarriage. This triggered one of her first major bipolar disorder breakdowns, the process always being the same. First, several days or weeks even of hyperactivity, then a period of depression and then an explosive breakdown, of which Lee would have no memory afterwards. It was scary for both her and Olivier in a time that this mental disorder was not known well enough nor understood. The straining tour through Australia, as well as the demands put on her during the time being on stage and filming A Streetcar Named Desire, had a detrimental effect on Lee's mental health. In 1951, Lee and Olivier performed Antony and Cleopatra, as well as Caesar and Cleopatra, first in London, then on Broadway. Lee, in her fragile mental state, was terrified of failure and was taken by a bad critic. 
When she finally traveled to Ceylon in 1953 to begin filming Elephant Walk, she suffered a mental breakdown and had to be replaced by Elizabeth Taylor. Her nervous breakdown was more than you might think and imagine at this very moment. According to her biography, she started showing signs of psychosis and hallucinating and lost any semblance of rationality. And the LA Times reported, Actress Vivian Lee, weeping hysterically, was dragged from an automobile to a transatlantic plane today by her husband, Sir Lawrence Olivier, after she delayed the flight for 20 minutes. The British actress, suffering a nervous breakdown and what a physician called a fear of flying, alternately sobbed and shook her fist at her husband until he grabbed one of her arms and pulled her from the limousine and up the ramp to the plane floor. When they arrived in London, they were greeted by four doctors and two ambulances. It would take several months for Lee to recover. She received electroconvulsive therapy and remained unconscious for four days. When she woke up, another manic episode took place. She was sedated and kept in a coma for two weeks. So it took months for her to get back to normal. And during this time, Laurence Olivier would say, she was not, now that she had been given the treatment, the same girl that I had fallen in love with. She was now more of a stranger to me than I could ever have imagined possible. In 1958, Vivian Lee miscarried a second time and fell into a state of deep depression, which lasted several months. She accompanied husband Lawrence on his European tour of Titus Andronicus, but was known to have frequent outbursts against Lawrence as well as other cast members. After their return to London, her first husband, Lee Holman, would stay with Lawrence Olivier and Vivian Lee. Apparently, he still had some influence on Vivian and would help calm her down. After divorcing Olivier in 1960, Vivian Lee went on a tour of Australia, New Zealand and Latin America for almost 10 months and received great reviews. She continued with theatre work, even receiving a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical for her role in Tovarich and did some movie work, like for example Ship of Fools. Especially the latter was emotionally training for her. So much so that she hit co-star Lee Marvin so hard with the spiked shoe that it marked his face. It was in 1967 when rehearsing for A Delicate Balance opposite Michael Redgrave that Vivian Lee's tuberculosis resurfaced. She died on July 8, 1967. That night, her partner Jack Merriwale was at sight and amongst others he called Laurence Olivier to the scene who would pay his respects, pray and then help Merriwale make funeral arrangements. Olivier stayed until her body was removed from the flat. When her death was publicly announced, lights were extinguished for a whole hour in all of London's theatres. So that was the very turbulent, very frantic life of Vivian Lee. A lot happened. But of course, such a beautiful woman had romance and relationships in her life. The first, as I mentioned before, was with Herbert Lee Holman, husband number one. Vivian met him the same year that she enrolled in the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in her quest to become an actress. Herbert was 13 years her senior and generally he disapproved of theatrical people. Nevertheless, one year later, when Vivian was 18 years old, they got married and Vivian ended her studies at the Academy. And another year later, when Vivian was 19 years old, she gave birth to their daughter, Susan. Second was Laurence Olivier her second husband. Vivienne and Lawrence were the first global celebrity couple since the advent of sound and they had one of the most passionate relationships I've ever read about. 
as biographer Stephen Galloway puts it, their passion was famous. But this was not the soft, sentimental kind of Hollywood movies. It was the sort that engulfs, overwhelms and sometimes destroys. Ten months after giving birth to her daughter Susan, Vivian saw Laurence Olivier performing on stage and would comment to a friend that very night, that's the man I'm going to marry, despite being a new mom and a wife already. Only three years into her first marriage to Holman, in 1935, Vivian insisted that her co-star John Buckmaster would introduce her to Laurence Olivier, whom they met at the Savoy Grill, where Olivier dined with his wife, Jill Esmond. He congratulated Vivian on her success in the play Mask of Virtue, for which she had been hailed by the critics. Lawrence then invited her to a garden party, and in 1936 they had their first lunch together. But not yet started an affair. It was only while working on the movie Fire Over England when they crossed that very line. And they crossed it with passion indeed. Apparently they could not keep apart from each other. Talk, laugh and make love constantly. The latter every day, two, three times, as Laurence Olivier would note. And Vivian Lee would comment on the time together, I don't remember sleeping ever. Whenever they were apart, they would write letters. And there are about 200 letters of Olivier sent to Vivian that she had kept in her bedside table, neatly bound with a red ribbon. And they are now part of her archive at the V&A Museum in London. Both their spouses refused to crown the divorce, so Vivian and Lawrence began living together without public knowledge. As per usual, this immoral relationship had to be kept from the public view entirely. But finally, in February 1940, both Olivier's wife Jill Esmond, as well as Lee's husband Lee Holman, agreed to divorce. It was Lee Holman that received custody of Susan, his daughter with Vivian. Which is no wonder, as Vivian Lee had left her husband and child in the morning when they were still sleeping. In August that very year, Vivian had become one of the biggest celebrities winning the Academy Award for her role as Scarlett O'Hara. And Vivian and Lawrence would finally marry in a very private ceremony in Santa Barbara, California. The attendees were only the hosts of the ranch they were staying at and the two witnesses Catherine Hepburn and Garson Cannon. They basically tried to be together always, and each one would suffer when being separate from the other. In 1947, Laurence Olivier was knighted and Vivian Lee became Lady Olivier. And later, after her divorce, she would still be known as Vivian, Lady Olivier, as it was custom. Vivian's mental health issues and manic depressive episodes strained the marriage a great deal and changed Vivian. Her delicate mental state strained by two miscarriages during the marriage. One of the most heartbreaking moments was when Vivian would say to Lawrence, I don't love you anymore. There's no one else or anything like that. I mean, I still love you, but in a different way. Sort of, well, like a brother. And Lawrence is quoted to have felt as if he had been condemned to death. His words on it, the central force of my life, my heart in fact, as if by the world's most skillful surgeon, had been removed. But apparently, they both had affairs. Marlon Brando is quoted to have said about his experience with Lee on the set of A Streetcar Named Desire, she slept with almost everybody and was beginning to dissolve mentally and to fray at the ends physically. Three years later, she had an affair with Peter Finch. Laurence Olivier, on the other hand, 
had an affair with actress Joan Plowright, which she had entered into during the time that Vivian was receiving electroconvulsive therapy and was even put in a coma to treat her mental problems. Vivian granted him the divorce he had been seeking in 1960, and Laurence Olivier went on to marry Plowright and have three kids with her. But shortly before Olivier's death in 1989, when he was 82 years old, he was visited by a friend who found him alone, watching a movie of Vivian Lee. And Olivier would say with tears in his eyes, this was love. This was the real thing. When Vivian Lee knew that her marriage to Laurence Olivier was as good as over, she started a serious relationship with Jack Merivale in 1960, the same year that Vivian and Laurence Olivier would divorce and Olivier would go on to marry Joan Plowright. A very touching aspect of this is that Merivale knew about Lee's condition and that he promised Olivier to take good care of her. He stayed with Vivian Lee until her death in 1967 and was her dedicated caretaker in the final years of her life. Although he seemed to have a stabilizing influence on Lee, Lee is quoted saying that she would rather have lived a short life with Laurence Olivier than face a long one without him. So even though these two were divorced, Laurence Olivier and Vivian Lee, they still deeply loved each other. But of course, as always, there are not only romantic relationships, there are also friendships which are important in life. And Vivian Lee did have those too. So during the filming of Gone with the Wind, she became close friends with fellow actors Olivia de Havilland and Clark Gable, as well as Gable's wife, Carol Lombard. And she was also close and long friends with Australian actor Trader Faulkner. They were actually introduced to each other by Laurence Olivier, whose understudy Faulkner had been in Richard III. Apparently, Vivian and he were attracted to each other but never acted upon it and had a platonic friendship until the end of Vivian's life. Vivian Lee, as well as Laurence Olivier, were close friends with actor-writer Noel Coward. And of course, Vivian Lee was friends with Catherine Hepburn, the witness present at her secret wedding. And she got along very well with Marlon Brando during the set of A Streetcar Named Desire because they shared the same sense of humor but it did not develop into a fully-fledged friendship. So I don't know if we can count it here, but it was worth mentioning. Vivian Lee had a rather short life. Nevertheless, it was a full life and there are a lot of lessons that we can take out of it. First, be determined and just go for it. If anything, Vivian Lee was determined. She wanted to be Scarlet O'Hara. She wanted to have better parts. She wanted to be married to Laurence Olivier. She always knew exactly what she wanted and she went for it, unapologetically, just wanted it. And she was convinced that she would get it anyways. Second lesson, mental health is health. Vivian Lee suffered enormously from a mental health condition. Neither herself nor her husband were fully aware of what was going on, and she put herself under so many stressful situations that worsened her condition and eventually cost her the greatest love of her life. So don't say mental health is unimportant. Don't ignore symptoms. Mental health is health and it needs to be treated. And we need to treat it as something that is absolutely normal and that we need to talk about. And third, again, life is short. It's a very short journey and you never know when it's over. Whether you have a chronic disease or not, you don't know what is going to happen. So just live your life. 
Go for your goals and try to be productive any which way that feels purposeful to you. Try to forge a way and try to create a life that you are happy in, that you are proud of and don't postpone it to one day when because that will never come. So I hope you learned a lot about Vivian Lee today because I sure did when I researched her and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye!